Hi, I'm Vanessa Anderson. And I'm Stephanie Cooley. It's time to give ourselves a moment to be real, to express all of motherhood. Mothering is beautiful. It's wonderful. And you know what? It's fucked up too. Come hang out with us. We're the real motherfuckers. The real Real motherfuckers. motherfuckers. (laughs) So I'm Stephanie and this is Vanessa. Hello. And the third head here is Shanna. Hello, Shanna. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Okay, so Shanna and I are friends from way back when, uh, 2015, our kids were one and played together as little cute babies. And I mentioned Shanna when I ha- we recorded the Friendship Podcast uh, episode and we met through a friend through Meetup where we... <laughs> We're desperately trying to find friends who are cool and fun in our weird little town. And um, yeah, so I wanted to invite Shanna because she has an interesting story. Um, We've been through a lot of tough times together. Um, Shanna was actually my rock when uh, my nanny died, um, not long after we had met. And Shanna took in my daughter when I was working full time and I had no child care. And um, and then some things happened with you, Shanna. Um, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. And I think that our friendship has been really cool because we've we've been there through some tough times. Before we get started and you talk about mm-hmm. you, I had this book called connection it's meditation and inspirations and when i was thinking about you before we were talking i opened the book to see what quote it would provide and it said real friendship is shown in times of trouble how telling is that so so fitting and and we just want to welcome you as well you're our first guest on our podcast and i think it's so special i think it's so special that it's you for a lot of reasons especially obviously because of the connection you have with Stephanie and you've kind of already been part of our podcast with our friendship episode that you were mentioned. But um, I just want to say how much I respect you for being here today and providing the story that will inspire a lot of people. And um, I just want to thank you first before we get started for sharing. Thank you. You know, I, from the friendship episode, I wasn't sure if Steph was referring to the friend that exhausted her because I thought that was me. I always had so many problems. No, not at all. <laughs> In our friendship, yeah. Oof. I'd be like, oh, I got another one for you. <laughs> so I'm glad to know not I even appreciate our friendship. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't even think of you in that realm. <laughs> that friend that oh, exhausted me. Still haven't talked, so. <laughs> Maybe someday in the future. Okay, so um, maybe we can go back to talking about um, who you are and um, maybe talk about your kids. And I think we should just get into maybe the twin dynamic and like seeing the difference between your kids. And maybe I think that's kind of like Mm -hmm. the first sign of what you when you were seeing something was a little bit different. So my son is very, like, very boy, and my daughter's just this 
little girl. She loves dresses and rainbows and hearts and all of that. Um, she just uh, kind of went in on herself like a little bit and was reserved around people after a little while, maybe when she was three and she just kind of stopped eating and, um, and I kept taking her to the doctor, but I was, you know, a lot of kids are picky eaters. So we weren't yes. really too worried at first. Um, but then they just started doing a bunch of tests and they've, um, I just remember going into the pediatrician's office and get to get the test from an ultrasound and some labs. And she just kind of sat me down and said like, all serious, you know, you need to go to the emergency room. I'm just going to check you into the hospital and, um, you need to take, you know, Scarlett to see the cardiology. And I was just really shocked because I was thinking the whole time it was something that, you know, just she couldn't eat um, or, you know, her stomach was bloated. And so it really shocked me that it, it was something to do with her heart. But I think I brought Dylan straight to your house. You did. Steph. I remember, remember you did you. a sleepover. Yeah. <laughs> you were kind of in a panic and like, I don't understand. They said that, you know, we thought it was digestive things. Um, and you were like, can you please take Dylan? And I was like, of course. And wow. Yeah. Um, that was a big deal to me because he had never had a sleepover. Oh, my God. So you had these. <laughs> and then I had to go to the hospital. My husband was out of town. Of course. Yeah, that was really scary. I'm so sorry. So what, what so, happened? What was yeah, I, we just. Well, when we got to the hospital. They did. Um, that was in the afternoon when we checked in. All night they did x-rays and people were coming in and out. And I really just didn't have any idea yet. And I remember it was like 9 p.m. And I'm like exhausted. And Scarlett's exhausted. And she just, um, I just said, please just tell me what is going on. And there was this fellow, like a guy training. <laughs> really, he was, he's almost a doctor, I guess. But he did not have any bedside manner. He was like, I know you're tired, so you probably don't want to wait till tomorrow. Um, I'll just tell you that your daughter is um, has heart failure and needs a heart transplant. And I just lost it because I could, couldn't even, at that time I was so exhausted, I couldn't even comprehend. And he just straight up just said it like that. And it was so harsh. Yeah, that is so harsh. harsh. And to me, that just sounded like death. You know, I'm just thinking... Uh, how do you get that? How do you get a heart? Well, that's, you know, that's another part of the story that's yeah. like really hard, you know, heartbreaking because, uh, you know, a child does have to die to keep mine alive. Yeah. Right. I hated that. I hated that yeah. part of it. Oh my God, Shanna. So you're by yourself. You've got this big news, big decisions yeah. that you have to make life-changing decisions you have to make on your own with your child. One child is at a sleepover that he's never been at. This child is, you know, not comfortable. Obviously, now you know why, but it's not just a medicine away. It's, yeah. it's a whole heart transplant away. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then what happened after so that? So the process is like, the process is um, you have to be put on a wait list. Mm -hmm. And you really don't know. You have no idea. So... 
that's the really hard part. So every day you're just thinking like she she could die or you know, you could get this special call. You know, you just want this they call it the call. And it um she wasn't eating, so she was sick all the time. She lived off of couscous and chocolate. It was like the weirdest thing, but that was the only thing she would eat. Mm-hmm. Um she was still like dancing and like when she did, when she felt good, she was just awesome. You know, she was just happy and sweet Scarlet, but um she was sick a lot, like throwing up all the time and not feeling good. So it was really hard. She just would be really weak and I couldn't take her around anybody um, in fear of her getting any kind of sickness on top of this. What year was so, this? I mean, I was, I remember that was um, 2018, okay. no, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was a really big deal to just be isolated with her pretty yeah. much. I, did you have to stay at the hospital, um, Shanna? The whole, the whole, this whole time? Or did no, you, did well, you... so we, yeah, luckily we were able to go home. Like it was a toss up. Like I wanted to be at the hospital because I thought maybe they could do something to help her, but they really said no. Like with her um, heart condition, it was, it's called a cardiomyopathy, restrictive cardiomyopathy. So part of her heart was just like not pumping and okay. there was nothing they could do about it. So there wasn't like a surgery or anything that could fix it. So it was really just go home and wait. And um, we tried to see a few different hospitals to get different opinions because everyone's like, oh, no, you have to go to L.A. Or, oh, no, you have to go to um, there's like another hospital inland. And so we checked them out. But uh, we had this one doctor that was just really loved who actually came in and sat with me and talked me through it the next day. I mean, I know he didn't, I told him later how that, how the one person told me, you know, about her heart failure, but he was not happy about that at all. So, but this one doctor was so good to us that I just stayed there in San Diego Mm -hmm. and, um, but we would go down there a lot like she would have she would just get really sick and we'd have to check in or they would be checking on her um but we did we did finally get the call it was almost um I don't know if I'm jumping ahead now how long Um, how long since you got the diagnosis until you got the call yeah yeah it was about six months to the day it's like six months later which was um yeah, it was it it was a really long time living in it, but when I think um when I think back now I'm like I feel like that could have been quick. I don't know, but they also said like she could have just she could have died like any time during that 6 months. So I remember there was like this website that I used to just stay awake like at night like searching it. And they don't actually put donors, or uh, not donors, they don't put, you know, transplant uh, people that are on the wait list. They don't put their name on it, but they put, like, the organ they need, the blood type they have, and then which region they live in. And I would, like, search this website at night and, like, try to match up, like, all the different 
scenarios that would like find her on the list, you know, by age. And then you only you go by region when you when you're getting a transplant, you get a heart from this certain region where you live. So everyone's like, you should go to Cleveland, you should go to New York, you should go to London, you know, they were giving us all this advice. But um, because there's more people, so maybe there's more children dying. I mean, it's like a horrible thing that you have to try to like figure out. Because um, our region was Southern California or California and um, like some of the states around. So it was like a, a small section of the United States where her heart would come from. And I don't know. It was nerve wracking. Everything about it. Um, was just, I don't know, I, I was telling Steph, like, I kind of block it out a lot now that I've been through it. Um, I think I was just never sleeping and worrying all the time. Also, I, like, I, um, Simon and I had a really hard time conceiving. So we had to do IVF, and um, I just felt like I was blessed with these babies like I couldn't imagine losing one after all we had already been through mm -hmm. and um then I also thought like well I messed with mother nature mm -hmm. so I shouldn't have like done like you know mad scientist stuff and then now this is like what I I don't know I went through a lot of bet, guilt yeah. and stress like why did this happen possible. you know well, it, it's you go there, mm -hmm, right? right? Why why did this happen to me? And so then you you ask yeah. yourself that question, or why did this happen to my daughter? And then so yeah, you go there because this is a very life, you know, a big life transforming moment that is literally do or die. I mean, it's you guys were there, and the and it, this is one of parents when you become a parent, this is like your what you fear that something like this would happen mm -hmm. to your child and you want it to happen to you. They always say, and it's true. And you lived through this. Mm -hmm. So after you, the six months happened, was it a phone call that came to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like the doctor that we liked, um, he called one night and said, you know, uh, he just said, we have a heart and it was just this overwhelming, like everyone's jumping for joy kind of feeling in the house. And then Scarlett's face was like, because we also knew that now we have to have a surgery, like a huge surgery. Right. I think it lasted nine hours or something. Wow. Um, even though they said, oh, it's, you know, it's not that difficult. You're just unplugging and plugging in. I'm thinking, how is she going to live? like even seconds without a heart you know they have to take the old one out and put the new one in i mean it's just mind-blowing i i did ask like oh is there like a video i should watch you know is there something to like teach myself and they were like nah i don't think you want to go there wow. right you don't want to like know about the actual transplant um but yeah so they said w when we got the call there's a heart but the doctor um, has to fly and check the heart. So they have all these tests that they do before they actually accept the uh, organ. Mm -hmm. wow. So we had to go to the hospital at like four in the morning and then just wait to see if they were going to bring the heart back or not. So, if so that was really 
traumatic. So you've got the news. We have something, but yet you don't until mm-hmm. they test it and it's actually there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So then you could go back waiting. to waiting again. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of waiting around. There's a lot of waiting. And then hurry up. And you know, right, right. Hurry up and get here, but then wait around. <laughs> wow. So I just remember so like that day we brought her in her little pajamas and just sitting on the bed knowing that, um, I don't know, this heart was like on the way for her. It was just so sad thinking that like another mother is completely melting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Cause she's losing a child, you know, and then we're, we're like praying that the heart is coming, you know, I don't know. It's a really hard thing to do. Do you still think about that? that? Do you think I do a lot? Um, I do because, you know, when there's special days and special times, like I think about how happy I am that I have Scarlett Mm -hmm. and, you know, I know that that mother is missing her daughter. So I do know a little bit about her. So it's kind of comforting in that way. Um, Not everyone gets to know about their donor, but she Mm -hmm. did reach out to me in a letter. So I was able to like look her up and, um, and she, she's really, you know, wanted her daughter's like being a donor to like help somebody. And so she definitely did. You know, she she saved our family. Respond back to her. I did. I did. I sent her a letter, and I sent her um, like a stuffed animal. Her daughter loved unicorns, and I put one of those like hearts in it that you can record on. And I got a recording of Scarlett's heart, so she could have like a the sound of her daughter's heart. Oh my gosh! Beating. I don't know if she got it or not. Um, but that's, I sent that to her. So I don't know. I think that would be hard too. I don't, I don't yeah. know if that was the right thing or, but I think that's um, a beautiful gift. She has the option of listening to it. <laughs> My mind is blown right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I, I am speechless yeah. by what you've gone through at the, just from this point of what you're, what you're sharing with us. And so you you the surgery lasted nine hours so the heart did come and when it got there did they say it's Mm -hmm. time this is right it's gonna happen yeah yes i remember uh, i remember them like pull like rolling her down the hallway and i just like i was trying to be strong in front of her because i didn't want her to be nervous or scared and then they have to like take her away and that's when i just kind of i just broke down because I was so, then I was so scared about the surgery. So that was very, very hard. I, I, uh, I, I couldn't wait to see her again. Being a long one. Um, can you tell mm-hmm. us about how it was afterward? I mean, you have to take extra special care of, of Scarlett and Mm. like what the process was like in the hospital, out of the hospital, all of the recovery. What was that like? Yeah. Um, the first few days she was just, uh, like plugged into like all this crazy equipment that was so hard to see her like that. And, um, excuse me, when she woke up, she, she just kind of wasn't herself. 
And the doctor even told me, give me three days. You'll see. She's she's going to like wake up and beat herself again. But I think because of all the med medication and stuff, it just took a, a long time. She was on so much pain med that I couldn't even really recognize that it was her. Um, so that was really hard in the beginning. But um, she slowly came around and, oh my gosh, she just was so precious, um, smiling at us and... And I, I have this one picture, it's really, really special to me, where she's looking at her new heart on the ultrasound, and it has all these rainbow colors. If you ever get your, your heart ultrasound, yeah, no it shows the blood yeah. pumping in all the different colors. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she's looking up at her echo, and she's just smiling, because we're like, look, your rainbow heart, it's so beautiful. And she's, it's just, that's how she was. She, as soon as she could, she was like smiling and happy again. And, um, we got her to like eat real food in the hospital and whew, it was such a big deal. You know, every little step was such a big deal. She getting her to walk again and just, um, crafting. It took a while. We were in there for a few weeks, um, but we had to be so careful. Everything was clean and masks and, um, no germs, obviously, because we couldn't have her had get any infections. Um, when we finally came home, uh, like no one could really visit her. So Dylan, her brother couldn't visit her. So that was really special when we came home from the hospital. They are, they are so close, um, being twins. They just had always done everything together. Uh, so they um, had a little dance party. That was like the first thing they did when she got home. It was really cute. Was she loved dancing um, to the trolls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the I remember trolls, the kids um, the watching trolls the, trolls the trolls movie all the time. The, one, the Justin Timberlake <laughs> yes, one? she loved. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yep, they listened to You got sunshine in my pocket. I literally saw her reach up like this and put her hand in her pocket one day. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm putting some sunshine in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And that's like the line from the song. And it's just stuck with me. It's so cute. You, well, you know that you you taught her that. You, you, you're you the sunshine in her pocket too. And man, yeah. I, 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 so you, would you go to the, these visits alone with her? Because there was limited amount of people that were able to go in. Or was your husband allowed to go with you? Yeah, back then he was he was allowed to come. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was good. I had him um, with me. I just didn't have him there when we when I first went in. But then after that, like he was, you know, by her side, um, day and night. He was really good caretaker. There was a lot of things in the hospital where they had to like do weird stuff with the tubes, and it was traumatizing and he would always volunteer to like be there with her during that stuff whereas like I just was like I can't there's something that I just can't see and um, she would tell me later of... that was a good choice you did not want to see that yeah well I wonder if it's because <laughs> Simon's been so used to going to the doctor in the hospital for all the broken injuries and mm -hmm. everything through um we have absolutely about this, but Simon's a a retired BMX professional BMX rider. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's had many, many broken bones and body parts, it's to the and a lot of friends. 
Yes. And I want to ask, dur- during these moments, you know, there's a lot of alone time and like you were saying, thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Where did you, where did you draw your inspiration from during these times to be so uplifting for your daughter? I know you had to draw deep to get there. And as a parent, mm-hmm. where did you find that? And also, were there any, the you did have to tell your daughter what was going on with her and how mm-hmm. did you do that how did you just explain to her what was going to happen in a way that maybe didn't worry her as much or I mean how was that for you guys because that's a big part of this yeah um I oof, I think I mean I always found my strength in her really um I I think I think but um we were always so honest, you know, we would just talk about things honestly, um, that I feel like that was one thing that was good for our family is that we, we just said, you're sick and this is what you're going through. And, um, there's going to be a, you know, a new heart in the end. Um, and that was just it. We just had to to go with that, you know, go for that hope because there was no way of getting through it without just focusing on the end mm-hmm. goal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, how was, um, and, and your son, um, did your guys's relationship change during this time because of, you know, needing to be away and, I mean, for anyone listening out there that mm-hmm. might be going through this or is about to, you know, was there anything that worked for you to keep that relationship going, even though you had to give a lot of attention to another sibling? How did that work out for you guys? Mm-hmm. It is, um, it's crazy for me to think back. They were only three when this started um, because they were just thrown into such a mature situation and we would always just praise Dylan for being such a good brother you know if if Scarlett wasn't feeling good he was running and getting one of her like we call them loveys like her stuffy you know to bring to her to comfort her and um having quiet time or just being together uh I think he just kind of sensed it luckily maybe it's just because they have like that such tight bond from being being twins but um yeah, it, oof, it's hard for me to imagine a three-year-old having empathy, but I feel like they did. They do for each other, and they did, even back then. Wow. Um, I, I know that the two weeks... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I remember thinking back on that time that they had just this, you know, as an outsider looking into your family, you you all spent so much time together at home, all of these like quality things at home and outings together. You guys were all such a strong family unit and your two kids were always, they just had this like unspeakable bond um, as little ones. Like, and I think that they're so different, but they were always, they seem so tied to each other emotionally. Um, And like, I feel like they, they balance each other out and, even with being so different. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. They have, um, the, the sweet and salty. <laughs> <That's them. laughs> 
Yeah, they, yeah. I remember, I, I remember though, it was hard for Dylan um, when we were gone at the hospital for the surgery and everything. It did put like this, um, I could sense this distance when we got back from the hospital. Um, it just, it took a little bit, a little while to, to get back in our groove, you know, mm -hmm. because other people had been taking care of him. Dad and I, we stayed, um, at the hospital that whole time. So we weren't really with him and we had been, I mean, we both, I just was a stay at home mom and my husband did the BMX, but he was mostly home, you know? So it was hard, I think for Dylan to be on his own kind of like with family members or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but he did, he, now he reflects and he's like, oh yeah, remember that time I got to sleep over for two weeks at Uncle Bo's house? <laughs> you know, he's like, loves it. I remember talking to him on the phone, like, mom, you can, I'm going to stay here. You can visit me when you want. <laughs> he loved it. That's great then. I mean, it must have made you feel good that you had, he had somewhere to go where he felt loved and supported that, you know, that during that time when you couldn't be there for him, that's so amazing. It really was. Like I said, I mean, it was the first time staying at Stephanie's house, you know, like away from home. Wow. So it was a really big, big deal for all of us. It was. But yeah, after that, I mean, she just, she had to recover for a long time. Um, and I sheltered her because I was so scared of getting, you know, her getting sick or anything. I remember if, if Steph wanted to come over, I'd be like, is there any green snot? I know. <laughs> Does anyone we coffee? the color of our snots. <laughs> is it green? Bye. You know? I'd actually be like, wait, I coughed once today. Should I come over? Yeah, like, no. <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> Understandably, man. I was not, not a good, easy friend. I would always say I'm not an easy friend. Yeah. no it's a lot of that. We, we knew the circumstances yeah, and also yeah. even if you weren't under those circumstances it's like everybody's different everybody's got a different protection level of themselves and their their kids and i i would respect you that. you do what's right for your family that's for sure yeah i think yeah you absolutely they're number one especially after going through all that and having the miracle to even have the transplant and it being successful I don't know much about these mm -hmm. processes, but what therapy do they do after do, do you guys have to wait till she does something cardiovascular, like run, um, jump? What, when, when was she allowed to even do that or encouraged with this new heart? Cause that's when your heart yeah. works more. Did, how, how did that right. go? Um, I, they, at the hospital, they pretty much only had her walk. So I was so nervous taking her home. I mean, I was constantly, I mean, I had all the gear, like the arm cuff, the finger with the oxygen, like the stethoscope. I had no idea what I was listening for, but I'm like, I'm, I'm going to just I'm have all it. the gear. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it. She'd have me like, let's check. I was so scared, so nervous of like her running, jumping. Um, she, she had, a. Uh, stitches you know right here she has a big scar and she fell like off the couch onto pillows and then it hurt and I was like oh, I was so scared that you know she had done something but I mean 
the doctors were just like, nope, she's good. She's wired up. You know, her chest plates are there. One moment, please. Yes. I finished my paper. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm doing a podcast. I just wanted to give her back. All right. Congratulations. I, I love you. I love you, too. Oh. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Can you see his little face yeah. speaking? Yeah. <laughs> he wants in this. He wants in on this. Bye-bye. <laughs> Enjoy your podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I mean, that for me, what you just described would have been how I felt. Like you're protecting this very precious gift that you just have a revival and a new change. And you're like, don't mess yeah. with it. Don't get it's like when you get them when they're born, right? You don't want to give them ever have a cut or anything. And then I bet it was that feeling again, like she was literally reborn with this heart and you mm -hmm. wanted to protect all of that. So wow. That's yes. That's yeah, she intense. has that is how we feel. Um she has a heart birthday every year now because it is like a rebirth mm -hmm. to us, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. She was so fragile to me. And she still is. I mean, she gets sick. She still gets sick for, for different reasons. Um, but I'm, I like live through it again. I'm mm -hmm. so scared. Like every time does she need to go to the hospital? There's, you know, it's something wrong. And um, it brings back the, the trauma that I've been through worrying all the time. So you have like a little, you have a PTSD from, from this life-changing event in your life. It's, it's very natural, but you, you, would you say that's what it is? It's like a PTSD moment of reliving that news and reliving that experience. Yeah, I do think I have that. Um, because I, it can, you know, I can live in the moment, but I do think that it's really hard to like once you've almost lost your child to just let them just run free and not feel that way, you know, not to want to protect them, be overprotective. So then you started to dip into regular, regular, normal life, right? I guess that probably was a hard mm -hmm. transition for you to kind of re-enter into the world um yeah when things started to go, get to I be more she had to be I think she had to be home pretty much for three months okay um and then and then I was like oh, I don't know that would get us to like the summer of 17 so she when she was um four I started her in TK but I went every day almost and volunteered. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, loved it though. I love doing all the arts, arts and crafts with the little kids. But oh man, the kids that came in with the snotty noses, I just <laughs> stay away from them. Stay away from them. They were like, don't play with the play-doh. It is really contaminated. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a nightmare. That I yeah. can't imagine. Like I, my heart literally goes out to you guys on the, that one as a mother. I can't imagine. I just can't. So I mean, yeah, you you've gone through something that it's 
it's a big story. It's it's a it's a big story in your life, and it's a. You don't take life for granted, I bet, after this, right? I mean, every no. precious moment was just like a wake-up call for you guys to to be every day. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, literally, you know? Mm-hmm. It really is. It's really hard. And I feel you guys talk about this stuff, you know, when you you do something, you feel guilty. and And I do feel guilt if I don't have a good day with them or if I'm grumpy. Or, you know, I yell at them and sh- should have held my temper. I feel guilt. Like, I need I need to be, always be, like, appreciative each day. And it's just hard because, of course, I'm human. So I'm not going to always yeah. have the perfect day. <laughs> but I put I a lot of pressure on myself to do that. Oh, yeah. you Just what you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this weird yeah. pressure on yourself to... I do to make things perfect each day, but it just doesn't work out that way. Well, Mm -hmm. I I know that people think, man, after that, nothing could go bad again with this family. Like they've had their share of, Mm -hmm. you know, the cup of of shit. You know what I mean? Like the cup of family shit Mm -hmm. we all get every once in a while. And you're like, okay, we've done it. We're moving on. We've healed. We're, we're going to move on. But, Unfortunately, that wasn't the case in your yeah. family. Am I correct? There was another event that happened to you guys that was also life changing right after your daughter went and you all went through this. Yes. Yeah. So, um, right that same year she went to school, we COVID 19 happened. 19. She, we just, you know, halfway through trying to get back into normal life through her school year, you know, we all had to go home and, stay away from people. And oh my gosh, was I paranoid. Whew. I always like had an end with the teacher. I'm like, if anybody has is sick, has anything, you just, I'm taking, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> and she would call me like, oh, so-and-so has the flu. I'd be like, nope, not coming. They sit at yeah. Scarlett's desk. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, um, so COVID, so I had to bring her home and keep her safe again. So we were isolated again. Um, for our family, luckily, we were already used to that. We we like being together. So it wasn't too, the COVID part wasn't, uh, you know, having to stay home uh, wasn't too hard on us. Um, but in the, let's see, the fall, um, my husband had a uh, cardiac arrest and um, had a stroke on the front porch on his mm-hmm. way inside. And um, luckily, I heard the door slam because he like went to open it and it fell out of his hand. And I found him like like having the heart attack on the on the front porch. Um where he pretty much just like died right in front of me. I mean, he turned blue, he stopped breathing, um, everything that you imagine someone does when they are dying. It was just horrible. And we live out in the country, as you know, because <laughs> oh, I yeah. used to live, live across the hill. Um, but yeah, the, 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 it took a really long time for the ambulance to get there so I had to like be on the phone like trying to give them CPR I was just like so scared I didn't know I was like no he's like he's gone like I'm not doing anything you know 
Mm -hmm. Um, But like it took like 10 minutes for them to get there. So it was a really long 10 minutes. Um, But they, I just kind of like went downstairs once the EMTs were there, like say, like doing the work on him. I like went downstairs to be with the kids because I didn't know what to do. Like I thought he was dead. And like 30 minutes later, they were like, no, we're going to take him to the hospital. And I just thought like he was gone. And then the, the officer was like, no, it's actually good because they think they can revive him. And I was just like, wow, wow. You did save his it was life. It a long. Re- you did save his life. Yeah. Pumping his circulated blood that you did, you saved your husband's life. You kept the blood circulating. You're, you you saved his I life. Know, I just, ugh. I just didn't, I was, I don't think I was doing it hard enough because I didn't really, I, I was just like telling the guy like, tell me again, tell me again, because I don't think I'm doing it. You know, it's really, really scary. Yeah. Um but it, it, I mean, it, it did work because they were able to revive him. Steph went to the hospital with me and the doctor came in and started asking me questions. And I, I was like, what? He's alive? Mm. Like, I really thought we were going in there for, you know, just. I remember sitting in the waiting room with you and you just had a lot of comments about him being gone and what are you going to do and Mm -hmm. you had your mind was already there and I just sat there and listened and then when the doctor came in and told us this glimmer of hope it was just like this moment of of not understanding where to put our minds and our hearts of Mm -hmm. what what's going to happen next um yeah and I think after that it was just a long next road for you of kind of waiting and seeing again, you know, kind of like how you dealt mm-hmm. with, with Scarlett in a whole different way from my observation. Um, mm-hmm. How was that? He was, well, he was in a coma. Yeah. Um, they put him in a, a coma. Um, so whatever damage was done to his body wouldn't be worse. Um, so we, we saw him in the hospital and then left because I just wanted to be with my kids. Like, to me, that was um, the only thing holding me together. I was mentally broken. Um, but I was like, the doctors have him. I can't be, like, I can't be there. I'm not going to be adding to the situation, right? So I just mm-hmm. needed to go home and be with them. And um, and then it was, like, days later when he was waking up, um calling oh this is during covid right so i wasn't allowed to go back after we saw him and that they um, they let us into the emergency room but then after that when he was in um, the icu wasn't wasn't allowed in so it was just days of calling and asking like how is he is he doing you know is he waking up and they'd be like oh he opened his eyes today and then the next day would be like oh he he gave a thumbs up and i was just like he gave a thumbs up because that was like our little thing like in our family like Mm -hmm. check we always be like check and and so I thought oh my gosh he's there um it was just any like glimmer of hope that I could hold on to um but I had this like one nurse who said you know over the phone 
Well, I mean, he did, like, you know, say his name this morning, but uh, he hasn't, like, said anything since. And I'm like, well, I mean, couldn't he, like, that's a really good sign. Like, couldn't he be getting better? Um, I was like, every day, like, could he get be get better? And she was like, yeah, or he could just stay the same. That's what she said to me. God, note to the medical community. Learn bedside to, manner. Learn what to right. fucking say. Good <laughs> yeah. Lord. Oh, God, Shanna. But I, also, I, if anyone else is going through this, don't listen to these harsh people because things can turn around. Yes. It seems very cold, you know what I mean? And I and I don't know if that's a defense mechanism for these medical people that can't attach themselves to these situations because it would probably hurt them seeing and actually putting their heart into it. But there, I feel like the people with mm -hmm. heart, like that doctor you dealt with, that's the way to go. This is a the most. This is the worst day for somebody in their mm -hmm. life and their family, and to have the mm -hmm. heart to you know to to have compassion is gold yeah it's medicine that is medicine love is medicine you know so i'm sorry that she did that it was so important to me mm -hmm. yeah people deal with it differently uh with the medical industry i like a doctor that's going to sugarcoat it let's say um because i don't need all the gory details i just want the glimmer of hope i just want to like you know know what positive can come out of it Whereas my husband, he actually liked some of the other doctors, not that one in particular, but there were some other ones that were a little bit harsher. Hey, Scarlett's dealing with this right now. Her blood, you know, her white blood cell count is this or something's down or this is not looking good. We need to keep an eye on it. They would be a little bit straighter. And he was, he was liked that. He preferred that straightness where I was like, don't tell me anything unless I really need to know, you know? Like, it's too much. Yeah. It was too much. So, the when Simon uh, was in the hospital, I just didn't know have any answers. I felt so alone. I didn't know if he was going to get better. All they could say was time. You have to give him time. To, that doesn't mean anything to a person who just saw their husband die and then he's awake and I'm like, well, is he going to be brain dead? Is he, um, you know, going to walk again? Is he going to talk again? I mean, there were so many questions um, and people, they just didn't really, you kind of need like a, what was you, you were, t you were saying in one of your podcasts when you had the person that came to help you with your birth and they were there to support yeah. you. Yes, yes you need like you need a doula when you have something like this in the hospital, someone that can translate the doctor lingo. Yeah, because <laughs> it was absolutely. really hard. And I would ask the doctors questions, and then they'd they would they'd give me the answers, and then I'd tell my family members, I don't know what they said, I don't understand, mm -hmm. you know, and it's all overwhelming and emotional. Absolutely. Well, you're you're. I don't understand medical terms either. When my, when I have to have that, I always have someone come with me to be like, mm -hmm. this is what I understood. What did you understand? You know, cause it is mm -hmm. very confusing with statistics and what could happen and what is going to happen there. They, they, they give, they roll it, unroll it all. So I can't imagine you, like you, like you were saying with Stephanie already pretty much 
planning what it would be like without your husband, right? Like you're already like, he died. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And now you're kind of back at that situation. You're like, well, is if he's not going to be okay now, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. That's where you were. So mm-hmm. when you were, had another waiting game in your family, I mean, what was that like for you? And where did you guys go from there? Um, yeah, my parents flew out, um, and we just broke all the COVID rules, as Stephanie knows. I mean, she came right over. We were hugging. I mean, they slept over. Like, all the rules were out the window at that point. I just needed people in my life because I was I was just so broken. And um, I didn't um, – it was just very overwhelming. So everything was confusing. Like, I couldn't think about feeding my kids, right, because mm-hmm. I couldn't think about feeding myself. So I needed – support. Um, so luckily I had that with, um, you know, friends nearby and then my family was able to, to come and and stay with me and, and do that because I would then go to the hospital. They would let me go some days. It was so weird. They'd let me go sit with him for some days. And then other days I would try to go in and they would say no restricted COVID because of COVID, you can't go see him. Um, it was really a tough time. And then he didn't understand, like, where is everybody? Nobody's, I don't know any of these people in the hospital. Nobody's coming to see me. Mm. Um, when he first woke up, he was very confused. He kind of like talked about aliens almost, you know, like he remembered like flashes of surge, like being in the operating room or wherever he was, like the, probably not the operating room, but, um, Oh yeah, they must have, they did, they did have to put a stent in. So they probably had some surgeries in the beginning. Um, and, but he has like weird visuals in his memory. And then the fact that he couldn't talk because he had a stroke, he was really confused. And then we, no one could come see him and, and he couldn't communicate with the doctors. At first he could only say his name. Like that was it when he woke up and it was, they would come in and be like, Simon, are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he can hear. He just can't speak to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually, they're used to like older people having strokes. Mm -hmm. He is like, I think he was 47. So they like people actually came in, nurses and doctors like came in to see him. Because they were like, we we don't ever see people like you in here. M- number one, they mostly die when it happens. And then they were like so shocked to see, I don't know. They would tell us that. Like, I, we can't, we've never seen people like you. So we wanted to come in here and see you. Um, that was when he was like a little bit better. Um, it did take a little time. You know, he could, um, he couldn't communicate. Um if he if he started the conversation he could communicate but he it was hard if you just like talk to him so we had to teach him like to use a toothbrush again um like i saw him try to like shave with the toothbrush and it just like freaked me out mm-hmm. there were so many weird things in the beginning like having to help him to go to the restroom and He's British. He doesn't like people in there with him. <laughs> He's like, Not privacy, please. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. What was the first thing that yeah, you Yeah, breaking said? all the rules. What was the first thing that you said to him when you were able to see him? And, and do you remember the first thing he said to you when he was able to communicate? If you don't mind sharing that. Oh, I remember walking in and he just like got the biggest smile on his face. And so I knew that he recognized me. And that was amazing. I was like, okay, I'm good. If I have this, then I'm complete. Right. Because I thought I had nothing. So I was... I was like, he, he knows me. He recognized me. Mm-hmm. Um, he called, like my nephew started calling me Shasha when he was little. And so it's become like this nickname. And so f- that was all my husband could say for a while. Shasha. He couldn't really oh. say my whole name. Um, but it was, you know, a term of endearment to me. That meant a lot. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, I, 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 I'm I knew this interview was going to be a deep one, and it is. And I, I, I am a loss of words with everything that you have gone through. You have gone through the worst scenarios that any mother and wife could go through. Like, you literally have done that. You have almost lost, you know, your key family members in your mm-hmm. family. And... I, you know, I, I'm at a loss for words. I really am. And, and, I, and looking at you now and talking to you, I, you're, you're an inspiration to me. You really are. You, you're and, and, and it's, it's. And the fact that Shanna is smiling and giggly and bubbly. Yeah. Today. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And I know that, it, I mean, it, are you guys still recovering? Is your husband still recovering from, from the stroke or? Is yeah. It still- we are. I mean, we were just like, are you not arguing, but having like a deep conversation, you know, minutes before this about he wants to go to work and he can't yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he still struggles with uh, it's aphasia that he has now from the stroke. So his heart is good. He's really um, athletic. He was athletic before, so he was able to get back in shape. Um but he just has you know, brain damage from the stroke. And so he's having to, you know, relearn um, so much vocabulary and to read again and add numbers. I mean, things that we just take for granted as adults, mm-hmm. um, he has a hard time with. So he struggles every day with wanting to provide for the family, but not being able to. Um, completely he does a lot for us he really does um he's a good like stay um what do you call him like he's a very home, good hands-on dad. dad home dad hands-on yeah dad. he's great yeah. he i mean he i i love doing um manual labor so i love fixing up the house and stuff and he will cook and clean like do the laundry and Yay. stuff so we have a good situation at home it's just um he wants to go out and and work and he was a salesman before and um he he knows that it's just too much talking he can't he can't deal with a lot of questions um and the numbers you know all like the sales figures and stuff he can't do any of that anymore wow so and he's just so positive he always says you know i'm gonna get better i'm gonna get better and he has come a long way he really has. 
Um, so there's no reason not to not to think, you know, that he will just continue getting better. It's just yeah. a long journey. Well, I these two events, we we are always proposing and and promoting, you know, moms having their time and as, you know, yourself from, you know, being a wife, from being a mom, from being whatever you are. What part of your life at what point during these events were you ever able to step back and say, I'm going to read? Was there any time for you? Did you just kind of have to cruise through this on cruise control where you just had to get through it? And But was there ever a point that something mm -hmm. gave you a sense of peace and self for yourself through this? I guess that's my question. As you, mm -hmm. I feel like we all have something that centers us or grounds us when we feel chaos around us. Do you have that? And did you have that during these times? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like um to fix up the house. So if I can find a bathroom that needs renovating or a fireplace that needs painting, that's my outlet. Um it doesn't happen quickly. Like right now my kitchen is half painted. It and I don't even notice it anymore. I'm like so <laughs> used to it being tan on one side and gray on the other. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, but every now and then go, oh yeah, I got to finish that project. <laughs> well, if you need a little project, come over. I'll have you over because that's what I do too. But well, I remember when yeah. we would go to Home Depot with Simon, you guys would ask the, you know, the person working there for help. And then the person would be talking to Simon about what to do. <laughs> you'd say, no, actually talk to me. He has no idea what you're talking yeah. about. No idea. <laughs> No, I'm either. the home improvement woman. I am the talk to me. Yeah. Oh my God. So uh, that was, that was my, um, that was definitely my outlet. Um, we ended up, um, needing to leave California, um, because of, you know, the lack of income. And so we decided to move to Florida to be closer to my parents. Um, I fixed up the house a lot before we left. That was a really nice thing for me, even though I was like, oh, now I really want to live here. I want to stay. Um, but I, that was a good therapy for me to, you know, to, to fix it up. And I have all these awesome pictures from the, from the real estate, um, from the sale, which is, I That's love awesome. them. Um, and, but yeah, we ended up moving to Florida and I, I don't know, I was mixed because it's also like, I'm taking my, uh, baggage with me though I'm trying to run away you know I knew it was coming but it was like this outlet maybe it'll just be better there maybe things will just be smoother um, and there's definitely been ups and downs since we've come here and I'm like some days I regret regret moving and leaving and then other days I'm like no this was the right decision but um, yeah it's uh, it's ups and downs for sure about that choice Wow. Well, I mean, you've given us a lot of your personal stuff, and I really appreciate that. Um, do you? I think you think this is a good time to end with the last question, or would you have anything else to ask her? Should we do the three questions? Yes. All right. So we have three questions. Mm -hmm. One <laughs> is what's one thing in your purse and what it says about you. Okay, um, the one thing that I always have in my purse is hand sanitizer. So that <laughs> pretty much sums me up. <laughs> Keep it clean. I understand why now. I really do. Do your cat do your kids have it clipped onto their back their backpacks too? Oh, 
Oh, absolutely. But you know, yeah. they never use it unless I remind them still. <laughs> hey, some germs are good. Remember, some germs are good. <laughs> I know. I know. I heard that before. I just am like, I actually let them play in the dirt. I do let them play in the dirt. Oh, yeah. But if we're at like a public place eating, oh, nope. <laughs> like wipe this down again or you'll bring your own wipies yeah yeah okay number two what inspires you each day oh let's see um i guess it's good just coffee and my kids you know i i get my coffee in the morning i have i have a new dog that likes to come over and uh and tickle me to wake me up with his whiskers it's pretty cute so I get up and I have I have a little bit of quiet time in the morning to myself. And then I I homeschool. So I do kind of like think about um, how I'm going to tell the kids it's time for school. I like to pre prep them in advance. Okay, um, time to put turn that off or, you know, let's get the computers out. And um, but yeah, I like to prep like that. But I'm inspired by them. Mostly they have such ama amazing imaginations. Mm -hmm. And that's just what feeds, feeds my laughter and happiness through the day. Perfect. Okay. Last question is what's a time you fucked up as a mom and what'd you learn from it? <laughs> okay. So I did think about this cause you did tell me you were going to ask me this. And I, <laughs> I, I do have this memory of, um, my son, when he was little, like we would butt heads and cause he was always testing. And I, I think that's pretty typical of boys, but I would get angry. And I remember one time kind of like chasing him down, thinking I'm going to put him in timeout or the naughty chair or some parenting thing I was trying at the time. And he just like, we're like growling at each other across the room. And I'm thinking he's angry at me. And then like, I looked deeper at him and I realized he was scared of me um, and then I thought oh my gosh I've I he's frightened of me which was like the last thing I ever wanted um so that that really still hurts me today that I kind of created that in him the fear of me and um I always just like I try to shower him with love now even when he's um you know when we would butt heads it would be more like the positive reinforcement I that's the lesson I learned like you're you're not you can't be angry you're scared I was scaring him and so I had to like flip it and we get along really really well now like he doesn't he's definitely not afraid of me anymore, I feel that a lot I'm so happy about <laughs> that's mm -hmm. awesome I I you know I, I'm, I'm I feel lucky that you were able to show to share this story with me here with Steph here personally before we broadcast it but thank you so much for for offering your time and your experience to hopefully help someone out there that is or mm -hmm. might be going through this you know it, it's 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 a hard yeah. thing to talk about I think and I just wanted to to show my gratitude again that thank you for doing this for us and for mm. everyone I think for anyone whose life feels like the shit has hit the fan, Shanna is proof you can wipe off the shit and keep going. Make flowers with that shit. Yeah. You know, manure. <laughs> no, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. 
I watch crime shows to, um, you know, to say life can be worse. Life is yes. worse. So yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's always, there's always a worse thing that could happen. And in the end, I just, I feel blessed that I have my, my daughter, I have my husband. And so I can't just like harp on the, on the, how hard it was for, you know, to go through. It's more about the, the positive. I have to keep, you know, focused on that. So if I could share something with your listeners, it would be that to follow your, your mommy instincts. Like if something is, you know, you think something's wrong with you your child to follow through with that because that's the only way that I really got to the bottom of, of finding out about Scarlett was, you know, making sure that I took her to the right places to get checked. And, um, and same with Simon. I go to all his doctor's appointments with him. Now I keep an eye on him too. <laughs> Good. I do remember a lot of the comments that you would get about, you know, Oh, she's just a picky eater. Don't freak out too much about it. Mm -hmm. And you definitely had that gut instinct. You knew there was something different about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, you know, as a first time mom, so you, you don't really know. You think, oh, I'm just overreacting. Right. Yeah. But sometimes but it's, you not, weren't. it's not the case. Thank goodness no. for that instinct. Thank you for letting me share my story and chat with you both it was very Thank nice you, Shanna. it's like Thank i so my little therapy session oh you know what you know what this is it's the blanket you gave no. me oh you know the hug the hug yes this Aww. is the warm hug <laughs> all right thank you shanna yeah we thank salute you, you.